This is Racer Nation. Welcome to the bank. Racer Nation, welcome back. It's episode 44 of the Racer Nation podcast. And, oh, man, what a what a couple weeks it's been since we've talked to you. A lot of highs and a lot of lows in Racer basketball. And this this would be an episode where, guys, we would need a, a patented Sawyer Lawson pep talk. But, unfortunately, Sawyer's not going to be on this episode as you follow along with Twitter. On Twitter this last week, he is with his family down in Disney World. So, unbeknownst to him he would have been the saddest place on earth at the cfsb center last night he is at the happiest place on earth in disney world so uh, logan you're here with us and we have brought in a special guest to uh fill in for sawyer uh mr jay nemo everybody knows jay he's on a podcast with us earlier this year great racer fan and a men's golfer for murray state university so logan been a couple weeks since we've talked some racer basketball um how, how's how you've been surviving you had your big gallenberg trip how's uh how'd everything shake out yeah made it back in one piece um had some highs and definitely some lows over the past couple weeks and watching the racers in the past couple games makes me wish i, I would have stayed in gallenberg and just stuck around at the distilleries but anyways came back and uh I guess we're going to get into it tonight, but give our thoughts on the state of the union of racer basketball. Yeah, there's there's definitely going to be a lot of thoughts, Logan and Jay. We, pre- we appreciate you. I know you're a busy, busy student athlete, so thanks for hopping on with us. Always giving your takes. How's the how's the golf game looking over the uh, over the winter months? Yeah, it's been it's been good. Uh, we obviously with our indoor facility been using that a lot, so we're really excited to get going. We've got a match against Austin P Saturday, uh, battle of the border. Um, so we're excited about that, um, to kind of kick our spring season off and hopefully, hopefully the game is, is good. We haven't been outdoors too much. So, um, hopefully kind of knock some rust off and be ready to go Saturday, but, um, hopefully put up a little better performance than the racers have the last couple games. So, um, we'll see. Yeah. Well, Hey, if you would shoot 68 and 56, like the racers scored the last two games, I think you would probably take that, right? Oh, no doubt. I would take <laughs> I take 68 every time. Yeah. Every time. No doubt. You're probably a little jealous. So I was in South Florida last week, got to play some golf down there um, around Fort Myers. So it was a nice like 85 degrees. And uh, I, I, you know, I, I was telling my buddy, I understand why these guys, the Tigers, the Justin Thomases, the Rory's, why they live in South Florida, because it's just perfect down there all year round. Yeah, it's awesome. And even to high school level there's high school kids who get homeschooled and move down there from october to march and they get a lot better you can tell their games are a little sharper kind of when we're playing and in april and even may so um yeah it's kind of jealous of uh everybody gets to go down there and play in shorts i haven't played the shorts yet this year so um looking forward to the first day i get to do that yeah, we'll, we'll, we know Coach Miller listens, so we'll we'll talk to Coach about you guys getting down there next uh, next winter. Maybe take a nice nice trip down to you know West Palm Beach, Naples, something like that. You know, we, I'm sure uh, Nico. We'll talk to get him to fund it and uh, you know get you guys fixed up for for next year. That sounds absolutely amazing. Yeah, we, we've got all that going. Yeah, we've got all kinds of pool here on the podcast, so you know uh, you know how it goes. But uh, thanks again for hopping on. I know uh, kind of last minute, but appreciate it. Uh, so, guys, the last time we talked, the racers had just come off a loss at Southern Illinois, and we talked a lot about the progress that the racers have made, how 
you know, we finally started playing with some intensity. We go on the road and a game we honestly, Logan, like you said, should have won at Southern Illinois. That next game, Saturday, January 28th, Missouri State, the Racers win at home 74-71. You're like, okay, we we kind of parlay a, a loss, but a good game at Southern Illinois with another good game versus Missouri State. The man himself, John Morant, in the house, so obviously worth a few points with the with the uh, NBA All-Star in the house. And then our first back-to-back home games in over three, uh, nearly three months since the middle of, of, of December, you've got Belmont coming in, a big Wednesday night. You know, we already said the big rival games on Wednesday night in the NBC just doesn't have quite the juice that maybe the OVC did on a Thursday-Saturday deal. But – Despite some late game struggles, the racers came through 83-82. And, you know, we can talk about, you know, kind of how we strung two wins together for the first time in, in a few weeks. Uh, but then, guys, I, I don't know how else to put it, Logan, but the absolute wheels just fell off the bus on the way to Indiana State. Yeah, it was definitely a game to forget, but I don't think any other fan in uh the Missouri Valley is going to let us forget about it, unfortunately. I had a kind of different take after the game. I didn't think it was our worst game of the year, um, which is weird because we lost by 43 points. But I thought the Middle Tennessee State game was uglier just because we couldn't even cross half court. Um, and Indiana State, there, you have those nights where the other team just can't miss. Um, it just so happens that it seems like everybody's – game that they can't miss is against Murray State and uh, that could be a luck factor I have a feeling that it has to do with our defense but um, that you know Macaulay was the best player on the court bar none and uh, it just seemed like any shot they wanted they were able to get whenever they wanted it and we can go into uh, why I, I think so but uh, I, I think that our switching has a lot to do with that. It seems like we get so jumbled up and we don't communicate well, and it always leaves somebody open. And it's pretty evident because you see how well they got to their spots, moved the ball. They had more assists than we had field goals. Um, Just really almost more threes than we had field goals. So um, pretty much a a blueprint for how not to play basketball is, is what we showed that night. Yeah, honestly, I thought Indiana State put on an absolute clinic. Uh, And, like, I know that gets thrown around a lot, but that was a clinic. That's a film you show every basketball team in America to say, this is how you need to play offense. But, you know, Jay, you got to go to the last couple games at at home, the Missouri State and Belmont game. And I kind of thought, you know, uh, we really celebrated that Belmont win. But even a little Missouri State and even a little Belmont – you kind of saw some bad tendencies on the defensive side start to creep in. I mean, we give up over 70 to Missouri State team that is not really good on the road, and then we give up 82 to Belmont. Really should have gotten beat. I mean, Ben Shepard hits that layups nine times out of ten, and that was the one time we've been lucky this year, right? But uh, everybody's – or I've, I've said it, it's like – we, it's like we're playing the Golden State Warriors every time we go out there because teams are just torching us. But what do you think? You know, Logan's kind of – he's kind of gone in depth about his whole – the whole switching on defense and, and his uh, takes on that in earlier episodes. But what are your thoughts around uh, really the uh, the degra- degradation of the defense over the last three games? 
Yeah, it's um, when when you think about Murray State on the defensive end historically, um, three point defense is, is very has been very good. You know, not many teams have success shooting it from behind the arc against Murray State in the past, and so I think when you see 19 threes go in um, as a fan and as somebody that's watched a lot of basketball of that team, you're not used to seeing that. And so you kind of think, man, that's an anomaly. Don't, you know, that, that nobody was beating Indiana state that night. I don't know if the university of Kentucky was going to beat Indiana state that night, but um, that's a bad example. They're not very good. Should have. Anyway, I don't know if Alabama would have beat Indiana state. They were that good, but you kind of throw that out the window and you come back at home against Drake, the, you know, arguably probably the best team in the league. And you think, all right, we're going to be, be more engaged on, on the defensive end. And I mean, that Tucker DeVries took an absolute clinic. I mean, he, like you said, that word gets used a lot, but he put on a clinic and he, I mean, 32 didn't really sweat at all. It seemed like he just dominated every single part of the game. And, um, yeah, it's, it does seem like we play the Warriors every night from the three-point line, but at some point that does have to come back on the defensive end on your end. So um, hopefully we can fit, get that figured out um, by Saturday. But, um, yeah, it was hard to watch with you know every three going in the last 80 minutes of basketball. Yeah, uh, the one thing I thought when DeVries kind of went on his run in the first half last night was – Man, this must have been what it felt to be an Austin P fan when Isaiah Cannon went off against him. And uh, what do we say that was, Logan, 2012, something like that, 2013, when you said was your favorite moment in, in the Dunn Center? Yeah, six of six or seven for seven in the first yeah. half from the three-point line. Yeah. Uh, DeVries yeah, wasn't far off. Yeah, he, he sure yeah. wasn't. I yeah. leaned back and told the guy behind me, um, last night it was midway through the first half. I said, I hope we just outscored Tucker to Tucker DeVries. But Jay, you mentioned how you thought we were going to bounce back last night. And before the game, uh, me and my girlfriend were getting ready. And I said, oh, it's Greek night. We're going to have a great crowd there. Um, and she said, oh, gosh, is that a good idea? And I said, well, yeah, I mean, they're going to help us. Uh, if, if we don't have a big crowd there, it's going to be dead and you know, probably won't win. And if we have the Greeks there and a, a jumping student section, um, it, it's it's going to be awesome. And she said, well, what if we lose by a bunch again? And I said, there's no way we do. We're not going to lay down tonight. And sure enough, I I'm, same thing as you, man. I thought there's no way – we come out at home against the team that's picked to win the Missouri Valley and just let them have their way with us. And, you know, to be honest, if we don't, don't go down, what was it, 18 to three um, at the start of the game, it's probably a different ball game at the end. Um, but, well, another slow start for the racers. I mean, that's, it seems to be par for the course. And um, unfortunately, all that momentum we gained in the SIU game and, Missouri State and then knocking off Belmont uh, seems to have just totally dissipated. Yeah, uh, thank you for the golf pun while Jay's on the uh, podcast. That was that was a nice part for the course right there. But Jay, I wanted to get your take. Logan talked about the slow start, and you know we talked about it a couple episodes ago about uh, how to remedy that. 
and I know there's been some talk. Uh, our, our our friend Mike uh, Gaby on the internet kind of talked about the starting five. But what are your thoughts on, uh, you know, I know Brian Moore's been inserted, which kind of has helped, but rotate maybe not just the starting five, but your thoughts on rotations. Uh, I know we're all believers here that other folks should get more minutes than they're getting. I don't understand why Justin Morgan just disappeared for two games. Uh, that made me upset, uh, you know, because he, I mean, you saw it. He's inserted in the game last night for the first time and he makes a difference and we go on a eight Oh run to cut it to 10. Right. Um, other people go to the bench, but I'm going to get off my high horse there, Jay, and, and, and let you give your thoughts. Yeah, I think it's it's um, something that if you continually get off to, you know, bad starts, then it doesn't hurt to make a change. Um, and maybe if you make a change, instead of being down 18-3, we're down 14-3, you know, and then we score another point. I mean, who knows? But, um, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a hard thing to do, especially nowadays, to keep people happy with the transfer portal because you want people to stay but you're also trying to win games. And so I don't know what, obviously we don't see what happens in practice and we don't see the, the effort being put in in practice or anything. Um, but yeah, I think there has to be a, a little change in the starting lineup. If, if it was for me, I don't know who that would be. Um, but when you continually put yourself in a hole, it's, it's hard to hard to win basketball games, you know, being down, down early, especially at home against a really good team. Um, it's just hard to, dig out of that hole and whether that be, you know, Justin getting more minutes, whether that be, you know, Kenny White back in the starting lineup, I'm not sure what exactly the answer is, but um, what we're doing now is not obviously working um, at the beginning. So, um, yeah, I think there's, there's some players on the bench that if it was for, if it was me, I would like to see get more minutes, obviously when I know it was against their backups and in the last four minutes, but Braxton Stacker looked really good in the, three and a half minutes he played, you know, he comes in, gets a good drive blind, doesn't get a good, doesn't get a bounce, but, um, you know, comes back down the floor, plays a really good sequence of defense, grabs the ball, brings it down the floor, him and Sam Murray connect for an alley-oop. And that's something that, you know, those are two freshmen out there playing. I know it's down 20 with three minutes left, but that is very pretty basketball. I mean, I, we haven't seen an alley-oop and since, John Morant threw one to Shaq. <laughs> I was going to say, definitely not this year. Yeah. So, um, you know, that's something that Sam Murray brings a lot of energy and just really wish he could get some more minutes. Cause I like the way he plays. He plays really hard. Um, but yeah, it's just tough to, to find that right, that right spark, um, when you need it. And that's something that, you know, coach Prom is obviously trying to find out and hopefully we can find that out before, um, St. Louis. Yeah, definitely. And and the time's winding down. I, it was kind of a thing we talked about in the past. I, I remember one episode, it's like, okay, we're a couple games down. There's 10 games left. It's like, we've got time to go on a run right here. And, you know, guys, there's one, two, three, four, five games before the, you know, Missouri Valley Conference Tournament. And they're not easy games either. We're at Bradley this Saturday, potentially one of the two or three best teams in the league, probably the best team in the league at home. Um, Illinois State is, I mean, I don't care who we're playing on the road nowadays. It could be at Marshall County High School, Jay, and we're going to struggle on the road, right? And uh, Evansville, uh, hopefully, but they've got 
who do they have doubled up right now? Evansville's up. Yeah, they're up 20 nearly on Northern Iowa. So you never know. Uh, Missouri State, did they beat Belmont? Yep, Missouri State just beat they Belmont at home. Yeah. Yep, they just beat Belmont at home. So we got to go there and then close out um, against Valparaiso, who's who's still struggling a little bit. But, um, you know, I, I kind of made the comment – we, we beat Belmont last Wednesday night, right? That puts us, I believe, one game out of first place in the Missouri Valley Conference. And it's like, okay, here it is on a silver platter. You're playing. You've got games against the four of the top five teams in the conference pretty much. And, Logan, your, your opportunity is right there. And what we've seen in the last two games is they, they, didn't, they don't want the opportunity. Yeah, and I'm trying not to overreact. It, you know, we've experienced probably the worst week of racer basketball in any of our lifetimes. Um, a couple weeks ago, I'm thinking, okay, we're, we lose a real tough game in a crazy environment on the road at SIU, um, beat Missouri State, beat Belmont. This team, if they're really putting it together, we've got a shot in March. We could we could make a run and really do this thing. And then on the flip side, you see these last two games and you walk out of the gym and you take the free popcorn and free hot dog along with your ass whooping that they give you and you just want to just blow the whole thing up. And so I'm trying not to overreact, but back to Jay's point for a little bit of getting some new guys and in, in the lineup and, and seeing some different looks. I don't know who it is out of our first six that we have play that doesn't play well together. I really don't know who the piece is, but there's something wrong out of that group. We see it every game, you know, pretty obvious what we've got going on right now is just not working. And specifically not working on the defensive side. I mean, that's, I'm not going to say we're scoring enough points to win, but 68 points, 70 points against Drake should be enough at home to to win. Not when not when they're scoring 90, obviously, but it's not working on either side of the ball. I don't think. Uh, maybe so, but I mean, you score 83 less than a week ago, you know, or a week ago tonight, right? Yeah, but you would just think that in February, have we had a game recently where we don't go on a at least a four minute stretch where we just don't score? Yeah, no, I don't think so. I don't think so. Very remnant of the COVID year team. I think, yeah. You know? Yeah. For sure. Yeah. You look last night, we have our first time out after they just explode at the beginning of the game. And we come out of the timeout and don't do anything with it. And then they go on another run and double us up. And we have to burn our second timeout, what, probably six, seven minutes into the first half? Yeah. Yeah, if not earlier than that. Yeah. Should not happen at home, right? I mean, should happen on the road, but at home that's that's tough. Yeah, that's something that happens in November. In yeah. Early December. Yeah. I got to thank him. You know, after the Texas A and M game, we hopped on a Twitter space and I remember specifically saying, Guys, we're gonna go through struggles after this just because we beat Texas A&M doesn't mean we're a, a great team just yet. Um, 
and obviously we have struggled. December was horrible, but I didn't think that when we were saying that we were, we had already peaked is what it looks like right now. I mean, the, the tournament in November was the best basketball we've played. And uh, I never thought the, the drought would go as bad as what it has in the past couple of games. Yeah. And I hate to keep, keep hammering on that, but you know, Jay, you were there in, in Myrtle beach, right? So you got to see the racers play, you know, theoretically their best basketball of the year. Um, And some of the stuff doesn't pick up on television, but uh, you being there, did it seem like the team had more of a swagger to them? Did they, I mean, did it look like they were having fun? Because right now I don't know if they're, you know, anybody in the the gym's having fun. It looked like they had a, um, like a, just a confidence about them, a quiet confidence of um, even the Texas A&M game, because like, after the St. Louis game, let's be real. I, in my mind, there was no way we were going to win that basketball game. I mean, I thought we could hang around, but they were at the time, they were top 25. Like, there's just no way that this team that played at St. Louis can win that basketball game. And they just had this swagger about them of we're going to win this game no matter, like, no matter what happens. And, you know, they controlled it the first half and um, – you know, in the second half, they made a run. Texas a made a run, I think may have tied it up. And that's when, you know, you thought they were going to fold. But at that moment, they just had a quiet calmness about them where we're a really good basketball team. And I just haven't haven't seen that from them in a while. Even the Belmont and Missouri State games where, you know, we get a, we get a good home win, it doesn't look like they're playing with that same confidence and that same swagger and that um, – like just doesn't seem like the team's playing with much confidence um, even after the Missouri state and Belmont games. Yeah. It, it just seems like there's still that I'm going to say deer in the headlights. That's probably not the term I'm looking for, but like a lot of the times it's like, we're not, we're still not really sure what to do on, on defense a lot of times. And, you know, Logan, that's what I was going to ask you, coach, coach Foster, and we'll get coach uh, Nimmo's, uh, thoughts on it right now but we've kind of talked about one of my points was talking about how we've maybe regressed a little bit but uh logan put put yourself in coach prom shoes if if possible it's going to be a lot of weight to take on uh <laughs> right now but where where do you go from here i mean you're going to bradley on saturday bradley's a team who they're up 20 at illinois state so they're going to be a team that's tied with drake uh, at the top of the league right now, a team we've already beat. We've already proven we can beat this team. Uh, what are you shaking things? Are you shaking things up in the starting lineups? Just being like, we're getting the people out there who are going to play. Are we, I mean, it's really too late to change any kind of huge defensive schemes or uh, we're, we've got our finger twirl offense. There's not a lot we can change there, but what, what are your, I mean, coach Foster, take us, Take us to a win on Saturday. What are we doing? Yeah, you said put myself in Coach Prome's shoes. Those are shoes that I would not want to be in. Um, but first of all, yes, I I would have switched up the lineup a, a while ago. And like I said, I don't know what it is with our current lineup or our top six players. There's a kink in the chain. 
and uh, you know, and certain Brian Moore, he's he's really gained confidence, but it seems like everybody else in that top six has lost confidence. Um, and more specifically on offense, if I'm if I'm coaching, I would say if you're not moving, you're sitting on the bench. We saw it in the Belmont game on offense. I thought Jacoby was really cutting well off the ball and Quincy was as well. And, you know, we're somebody's driving in the lane, whether it's Brian or Jacoby and the off guard is cutting behind the man that that's sitting there and helps our defense just watching the play. And we got some easy buckets off that. And, you look at all these teams that we've played this year that have that continuity. And um, I think of St. Louis, I think of Bellarmine, I think of Belmont, um, Drake on Tuesday night. They move so well without the ball. And that's just something we have not done this year. It's kind of like, you know, it's an NBA style offense. You run down the court and Rob Perry posts up 15 feet from the basket or Jamari and, you know, hope they can do something with the ball and beat their man. Um, really seen it all year. We don't have high assist numbers and don't really share the ball. It's just let's hope we can make more shots than the other team. Um, so that's that's probably the first thing is on offense. If you're not moving, you're sitting on the bench. Um, second, on defense. Oh, also on offense as well. Seems like we've got DJ sometimes crashing the offensive boards and then Justin most of the time when he's in the game. Other than that, when a shot goes up, we have four guys that are just jogging back on defense. And that's, it's really getting under my skin. Um, And on the defensive end, it's one, fighting for loose balls. I, I got very upset watching the Indiana State game when, one, there was a ball going out of bounds and Rob didn't save it. Um, It's kind of hard to tell on the angle from the screen, but um, I thought he could have saved it. Then Jacoby, there's a ball bouncing right by his feet, and uh, big Robbie dove on the floor and got the loose ball because he dove on the floor. Um, It's just when you're down 20, 30, 40 points – and you're not showing any effort, man. Get some, get some you guys in the game. And um, you know, the the thought I've had over the past couple games is, if you if you want to come to college and be on a basketball team, and you're in college, you're getting your school paid for, and that you want to graduate and do something. That's that's great. Um, there's plenty of OVC schools where you can go and, and play and it doesn't matter if you win or if you lose and you're not going to have fans chirping at you because there's none at the games, but at Murray state, it's different. We do care. And, and that's why we've got a bunch of banners up there. That's why we've got jaw and cam coming back and all these alumni chirping on Twitter saying um, that we need to get our act together because we do and, and they care and we care. So um, if, that's the motive of some of the players on the team, then that's fine. Go play there. But just realize that Murray state, we're here to win. And even when things aren't going well, even when we don't have the most talent, we're still going to compete and play hard. 
still going to hustle and, and dive on the floor and, and get offensive and, and defensive rebounds and try and guard you. And that's just not not what we've seen at all out of these guys of late. Well, Logan's obviously the head coach because he, you know, he takes his five minute dialogue. So Jay is the uh, as the specialist. The, the, the defense. Yeah, I'm sorry about that. <laughs> as the assistant coach, Jay, uh, you know, what what would you would you back up Logan? Would you uh, you know, would you pull some players off to the side and be like, don't listen to Logan. This is what we're actually going to do. What What are your thoughts? No, he makes some he makes some good points, and uh, I think you know from a coaching standpoint, I'm I'm not sure you know what's going on in practice, obviously, but at some point, I think you just got to kind of challenge the guys to to just play better and play play with more energy. Um, you know, it's it's hard when you ha- do have a lot of new guys who are new to this program and you know new to this coach, and it's just tough to to understand the expectations. Um, I think there's some players that understand the expectations and it's not winning necessarily winning basketball games. It's like Logan said, getting on the floor for loose balls. It's um, crashing the offensive glass, things like that. Just little things that over time win basketball games. And it seems that I told my parents this for all year, you know, coaches talk about the 50, 50 balls. You got to get them. Well, like, with this team, it's 30, 70 balls. Cause we get 30 of them. Um, so that's something that, that hasn't been great. Um, that's that we've got to get better at, I think. And, um, for me watching a lot of games in conference play, when we're on offense, um, it seems like the teams we're playing are making is making us run our offense 30 feet from the basket. And they're putting pressure out where you're not in a shooting position or in a scoring position. And it's all the buckets we get are hard buckets. Like it's not like we get a just a quick play back door wide open layup. We don't get that very often. We get a fall away fifteen footer, which Brian has has made, and so is Jamari and, and Rob have made. But a fall away fifteen footer is, I mean, I know they Turn can make it. It's just not. A, yeah, it, as a opposing coach, you say if he makes it, shake his hand. Most of the time, we'll get the rebound, go to the other end. But on the defensive end for us, Drake runs whatever they want to with no pressure. I think that's something that we just don't. It gets done to us that we don't do. We don't get out in passing lanes and are forcing people um, away from the basket to run their offense. It seems like the buckets they get are easy. You know, games that we win, teams miss shots that maybe they normally make, and we're not. Um, necessarily forcing them into late clock situations. I mean, I don't know if Belmont ever got under eight seconds in the shot clock. I think all their shots were with 12 seconds left on the shot clock, 15, because they were getting into early offense and there's no pressure on it. And, um, for me, that's just something that I've noticed over the year is that when we're on offense, we're running at 30 feet from the basket when we start to get in it or the finger twirl. And then when we're on defense, we can't, we can't force that same thing to other teams. And that's a, I don't know if that's a philosophy thing or if that's a players aren't in the passing lanes, things like that. I don't know what the, the defensive scheme is, but it seems like if teams are doing that to us, we should be able to force teams into that as well. And that's definitely been a big, you know, one thing this team's really excelled at this year is not turning the ball over on offense. 
but one thing we've been horrid at this de- at at this year is being last in the league in forcing turnovers, right? And Logan, as as you always talk about, that is not racer basketball. That is not forcing turnovers and into easy baskets. And that's the that's the thing you saw at least last night at Drake when we started to and we were down what eighteen or something like that, eighteen nineteen. Cut it back to ten. It's because we were playing in transition. Brian Moore is one of the most elite guards in the league playing in transition. I feel like he's going to get to the basket, and he's good. And that's what we saw when we when we watched him this summer. I mean, uh, I don't think you can place at least offensively any of this on Brian Moore. He has been our best player over the last month, uh, or however long it's been. He's been in the starting lineup, averaging probably close to twenty a game. It's really been incredible what he's been able to do. Um, but it's almost like maybe other guys are leaning on him too much. I think one thing I wanted to mention, uh, one of Brian's uh, thing he's he's working on, he's getting better at, and he's shown. Uh, but, you know, while we're still just talking team as a whole before we you know, kind of move on to some other things, one of the biggest question marks, Logan, if you remember back to the first episode we did this year, um, episode 31 or whatever it is, or first or second, we said, what are the biggest question marks for this team this year, right? And we we really honed in on the big men, and we said we're gonna be we're gonna have a deficit with with, with our post play, and, and and that's no secret, and it's I don't think I'm saying anything that nobody else knows, right? Or or will disagree with. But I remember asking Sawyer, maybe this was the summer episode, and Sawyer was like, you know what? I said I said, are we really that? skinny under the post and he's like we've got really good guards and i do think we have really good guards but we don't have really good three-point shooting guards uh, i think it's okay we're not the strongest uh in the low post in the conference but to combat that you cannot be the worst or one of the worst three-point shooting teams in the conference as well um, I, I think to me that i was just thinking about this over over the last day or so is I'm okay with giving up the size in the post, but we need to be making double-digit threes a game like these other teams because that's what's going to keep us in games and win some of these games we've been losing. Um, I think we're really fortunate to be 13-12 and 12 right now, uh, to be honest with you, 8-7 uh, and seven in the conference or whatever we are, uh, because of us averaging less than five or right around five three-pointers a game. I mean, Tevin Brown almost averaged that last year. He was like nearly four a game, I think is what we talked about, um, by himself. And so, uh, Logan, I want to get your take, and and Jay, too, if you want to hop in. But, you know, and I don't see it changing. I think that's just what we are this year. But going forward, if this continues in the next year, depending, say we assume we get the whole team back because everybody other than our boy Rod can do that, has come back. We're going to have to be a lot better three-point shooting team to overcome the deficiencies of our low post. Yeah, I think that's a huge issue with our offense is that we are getting pressured out front, but they're not having they don't have to guard us um, past the three-point line. You see these other teams we're playing, you have to guard McCauley 26, 28 feet from the basket. Tucker DeVries, same thing. They space the floor so well, and they're able to do so because you have to to be cognizant of their three-point shooting abilities. And we just haven't done that at all on a consistent basis. And one, that's not going to – you can't just get in the gym for a week and 
be a much better three-point shooter. It's going to take some time. It takes the course of a season or a summer to really work on it. I mean, we saw Ja when he went into the NBA his first season. I think he was 30% from uh, the three-point line. And next season comes back and he's 34, 35%. So it's definitely doable for guys that necessarily aren't great shooters right now. It just takes putting time and effort in. Um, And I hate to keep harping on it, but that's been the the thing thus far is time and effort. When are we going to see it from these guys? And if they are in the gym, um, when is – when are they gonna? When are we gonna see the fruits of their labor? Yeah, Jay. Before you know, you're you're such an elite three point shooter. Before you talk, uh, just to level set here, the Racers are shooting thirty one percent, thirty one point six percent from three. Opponents are shooting thirty three point six. We're averaging five point nine. Opponents are averaging eight point five. And with a team that we're already skinny in the low post, we're giving up an extra you know, 12 points, nine, 12 points a game behind the three point line. Yeah, that's, um, that's not great. Um, whenever, you know, I think what made, um, juice Hill and Trey Hannibal, um, very good, very elite drivers of the basketball was the fact that the threat of Tevin Brown, um, you know, like his man is not leaving him and, I think that's what made them so good in getting downhill off ball screens and things like that. Whereas we don't really have, you know, that, I mean, Rob's a, Rob's a a good shooter, but at the same time, you know, he's the one a lot of times with the basketball and he's not, um, you know, he's not playing off the ball, posting or spotting up in corners and things like that. Whereas, you know, Tevin was playing off the ball, ready to knock down shots. Um, You know, you just need a guy like that that can, you can rely on to shoot, you know, in the 40% from the three point line at least. And it just seems like we don't have that. And, um, whenever you have a guy like Brian Moore, like you said, is probably one of the best, if not the best guard in transition in the conference. Um, when he doesn't have a guy that he can rely on to kick it out or his man to stay, that just clogs up the lane for him to, you know, not get as many looks and as many open, um, looks at the rim as he would like, I'm sure. Yeah, that's a tremendous thought there, Jay. You know, just as you're talking there, I'm looking. Uh, Brian Moore statistically is our best three-point shooter on the team right now. He shoots 35.7%, followed up by Quincy at 35.4, and Rob Perry at 34. No one else shoots uh, over 30, 31, 32% right there. And, uh, you know, we, Logan, you, was it you or Sawyer that said if we could – Jay, we asked if we could take one person from last year's team, put them on this year's team. I think both of you guys said Tevin, right? Or you or Sawyer did. I don't remember. Um, I think Sawyer I, said Tevin. I was yeah. on Bruce Hill's side. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Uh, but you're right. And I think you see it with Justin in the game. And Justin's game this year on the floor hasn't really uh, maybe lived up to the three-point shooting that we know he can do. I don't think he gets a lot of clean look. I don't think we run a lot of clean looks for him. Uh, that was one thing I told my wife last night. I said, you know, every time Justin comes in, he has to play the four. And our offense does not create shots in the perimeter for the for the four guy. But anyways, uh, but he, he also did run some action for him last night. He was coming off screens and yeah, you know, 
rolling to the basket and we were giving him the ball or curling to the basket. But um, just a, a side note, talking about three-point shooting, I sent this to Austin and saw your last week, was it something like that, after the Belmont game. Um, I looked at the Missouri Valley statistics leaders and the top three three-point shooters in the Missouri Valley are all Belmont players. And they were shooting 46, 45, and 44%. And so, you know, they're probably in a similar situation to us if they don't hit, if they hit as many threes as we do. But it just shows you what that extra element does for your game. That's a that's a great point. Uh, and Belmont's really rode it hard. I mean, when they're, when they're on, they're on, right? And they're, they're tough to beat. But like you said, they're, they're kind of thin everywhere else. Yeah, one more point before we get off this. I know we've harped on the guys a lot, and um, everybody in Racer Nation is pretty down right now. But as I said earlier, I'm trying not to get too uh, overreacted to what's going on. Um, the thing is, is this is sports. Every team goes through their ups and downs. And, um, you know, over the lifetime of being a fan of a team, you're going to have seasons like this. And, you know, other schools have it much, much worse than what we've got it right now. Um, last year, we we had a heck of a run and we're a few possessions away from going from to the Sweet 16. And then with that, you, you see the other side this year. Um, so this too shall pass. Just everybody stick with the the program, um, we're going to have better days ahead, I promise. And I, I got to thinking not too long ago, um, it, it's going to be pretty sweet looking back on these moments, thinking, okay, everybody was doubting us. Um, and I don't know how long it's going to be, but when we raise that trophy in, uh, in St. Louis one year, it's going to be a sweet feeling. There you go, Logan. That's uh, that's good perspective right there. I, I don't know. It's kind of hard to swallow sometimes, but you're, you're always good to – put put us back to where we're uh you know we're all thinking level-headedly yeah i appreciate that yeah for sure i, right. I am probably the most level-headed of the group oh by far by far all right a couple more things guys i uh, wanted to ask your guys's opinion on something uh like i said we've got five games left in the conference season uh just around two weeks two and a half weeks uh two questions one uh, who do you think wins the conference right now uh there's there's a lot of there's a log jam at the top, right? It's gonna become a little more clear tonight. Drake's at eleven and four. Bradley's probably gonna be at eleven and four. SIU is in a tough one with UIC right now. They're starting to make a little bit of comeback, but let's just say they pull it out. They'll be eleven and four as well. So that's three teams. Belmont lost, so they're tied with Indiana State. And then there's Missouri State, us, Northern Iowa. Uh, just a lot of teams that are so mediocre. So what do you guys think, Jay? Is there going to be a tie at the top at the end of the year, or is one of those teams going to separate themselves out and, uh, you know, really really give themselves the the momentum pushing into uh, Arch Madness? Yeah, I mean, I'm sure there's going to be a tie because there hasn't been a night. It seems like that there hasn't been a tie. I don't think anybody's had the solo lead um, all year until last night, you know, Drake just because they played Tuesday night instead of Wednesday night. So um, I think I think the best team in the conference is Drake. Um, I think they're from one to eight coaching, just 
I think they're the best team in the conference. And whether that be they um, win the regular season, um, I'm not sure. But th- they're obviously in a great position to get a top four seed. And I know all these teams are very good, but it would shock me if they don't cut down the nets in St. Louis. I just think that – I mean, obviously that's a uh, – might be me saying that after watching them play last night, but um, they were one of the best teams. I think the best team in the conference for sure. Yeah. I hate to uh, cop out on this answer and it may be a little recency bias from seeing them whoop up on us last night, but uh, I just think they're a very, very complete team. They've got so many ways to beat you. I think Roman Penn is excellent. Um, DeVries is obviously really good. And, you know, there's there's other teams, you know, uh, Indiana State. I think Curvassier McCauley's great. Um, go to Belmont. I personally think Ben Shepard is the best player um, in the conference. And I, I really enjoy watching him play, even though he's from Belmont. But um, they don't have the pieces around them. They don't have the, the complete, um, like you said, Jay, one through eight that, that Drake has. So uh, that coupled with them being very experienced and, and playing together for a long time, I, I think it'd be really a disappointment to their season if they don't, um, if they don't win an arch, win arch madness. And at the moment, Drake's probably in the best position to get an at large. If they were to lose, I uh, probably one more loss probably would knock him out. And they're a 21 team. Let me get you guys. Let me get you. Let me get this one on your guys' calendars. Sunday, February twenty-sixth, last game of the year. Drake at Bradley would be huge going into the Missouri Valley Conference tournament if they're tied around the top. Both teams. Uh, Drake has to play Belmont at home. Bradley's gonna and and they got to play SIU at home in the next couple weeks. Bradley's gonna have to play at SIU and then. They've got us, which, you know, tough test, right? And then they've got that Drake game. But that's going to be huge, that 26, February 26th. It's a Sunday, um, 1 o'clock game. Drake and Bradley could be a lot of fun. I, and that's one thing, guys, I'd, I'd kind of thought about as I was watching Belmont and Missouri State play earlier before we hopped on this. It's just fun to, like, be in a conference where you actually enjoy watching other teams play I've, I've definitely watched more missouri valley basketball this year than i ever did of ohio valley conference basketball i find back in previous years i found myself watching a lot of sec a lot of big uh, big 12 or big 10 or whoever acc now it's like if those games are on or if it's uh, northern iowa at evansville i'm choosing northern iowa at evansville um, just because it's it's nice to nice to watch a, a interconference game yeah, the yeah. same thing right now. I, I'm i listening when Jay's speaking, but I've been tuning <laughs> you out and watching Northern Iowa play 4-21 and 21 Evansville. Uh, can't really remember tuning into Eastern Illinois playing at Tennessee Tech. Ouch, that's, that's tough. That's tough. Uh, Logan, I think you've already mentioned it. Who is your pick for, uh, what do they call it, the Larry Bird Player of the Year? I, I do think Ben Shepard is the best player. Uh, I think he's got probably the brightest future out between him and Tucker and McCauley or whoever else you put um, 
putting that. I think, I think uh, Marcus Damask has had his name thrown in there as well. Yeah, I, I speaking from a playing at the next level standpoint, um, I think Ben Shepard is the one with the highest ceiling. However, I will say that's not what the award is based on. Um, I I would probably say DeVries if I had to guess, but uh, I don't know. It it's not over, man. Like you said, this this new conference it's going down to the wire. So um, these next couple of weeks, you want to win that award, you gotta put your best foot forward. Yeah, I think um, I'm not sure what the what the voting is. I don't know if they would vote for a um, you know a first year in the valley team and vote for you know Ben Shepard, but I mean. He's the best player in the league. Like he's what he did it in the bank was was unbelievable. And I, I know what Tucker DeVries did as well, but just watching them both of them play basketball, I think Ben Shepard is better at basketball than Tucker DeVries. I just they're both incredible. They're both phenomenal, but I would just think Ben Shepard is better. Um, like I said, I don't know if they would vote for a you know the one of the new guys um, in the league, but he's just he's just better. Yeah, I think I agree. I think it was more of Tucker was on fire last night and just he saw, you know, a hula hoop size rim. Um, ben Shepard just does it night in, night out and on the defensive end. I, I agree with you. Jay, that's an interesting take, because like you said, with Belmont being first league, first year in the league, you know, I'm sure it's coaches and, and SIDs that vote on this stuff like like in all the other conferences. So that'll be interesting. Uh, you know, like like we said, all those teams are within one game of first. So, hey, if you Ben Shepard wants to win, they can't deny it if Belmont wins the conference and he's their best player. So, uh, you know, what are you going to do? Well, we will know soon enough, uh, one, who wins the conference, and two, who wins player of the year. So uh, March is going to be here before we know it. Logan, I know you've got some big news. Uh, we're going to turn it over to you and, uh, you know, maybe do a little tease for the folks out there. Yeah, so we've had a pretty dark week for racer basketball, and I know everybody's spirits are pretty low. But uh, one thing that's got us pretty excited for the podcast is we have actually uh, we kept this kind of quiet and I'm not ready to release who it is just yet, but we uh, somehow got got a guest that's going to come on later this month that uh, it's going to be the biggest guest we've ever had. And we're no offense, Jay, you're a regular now. You're not a guest, um, but we got somebody and uh, lined up for the end of this month. It, it worked out well with um, where we can post it just after the, the all star break. So really excited. Don't want to say too much more, but uh, it, it's you know, gives us a reason to to get pumped up to get on the mics each week and and keep talking racer basketball and uh, gives us some motivation to get better. I like the way you said that, Logan. I I really needed to be persuaded to I, to get on tonight after the game last night. I texted you guys and I was like, I I really just don't want to do this podcast. I don't got a lot of nice stuff to say. I don't really have a lot to say at all. So having news like that. Keeps us going, like you said, because that, I mean, I think for me, I had to really think back of, of why we do this, right? And, uh, you know, 
we, we, well documented, we picked a heck of a year to start a podcast last year. The team blew up, top 25, and I mean, all the stuff that went on was unbelievable, right? And so now we are kind of taking our licks for it this year, obviously. So we're got to keep this going and, uh, you know, make make it interesting and, and engaging and, and interviews like we have coming up. It's going to be awesome. So, folks, with that, we're going to go ahead and wrap up episode 44 of the Racer Nation podcast. Uh, hope everybody enjoyed it. Jay, as always, you've been a tremendous guest. Thank you for filling in this week. We're, we'll definitely have you on again, uh, maybe before the end of the year. And uh, you know, we've got the big golf match coming up this this summer. The the rate the Logan, what do you call it? The it'll be the second annual inaugural Racer Nation podcast. Uh, golf scramble something invitational some, invitational there you go invitational so uh we're gonna be we gotta be sharpening our games up for that got the big game saturday at bradley i know for the folks here in st louis there's a there's a watch party at urban chestnut brewing um, i'm gonna be at that so uh, come out and have some fun there and watch the racers at illinois state and then we will be back next week to talk some racer basketball so logan with that Go ahead, start our send-off, and Jay, finish us out. Go Racers. Go Racers. Go Racers. Murray State, stand up. Hoop Squad, stand up. Anyone who's in the CFSB, stand up. It's time to take these questions that have been asked to get them answered. Who's going to win the MVC?